Today's episode is brought to you by Second Home, a workspace and cultural venue in the heart of Hollywood. The two-acre campus includes indoor and outdoor workspaces, garden offices, conference and meeting room space, a roof deck, and an on-site restaurant. Second Home is designed to cultivate creativity and collaboration. Whether you need a writer's room, temporary office, or a longer-term solution for you or your team, the campus, which is covered in plants and natural light, creates a unique and motivating environment just a few steps away from Sunset and Western. Let Second Home set the scene and leave the storytelling to you. Book a tour now by visiting secondhome.io slash Hollywood or emailing membership.hollywood at secondhome.io. Welcome to In the Envelope, a podcast from Backstage, the one-stop shop for actors and creators both above and below the line. I am your host, Vinny Mancuso, Backstage Senior Editor and Professional Entertainment Obsessive. I'll be your guide through every corner of the creative industry with the help of some of your favorite stars. Here you'll find intimate, in-depth talks with today's most award-worthy names in film, television, and theater. Along the way, we'll get advice on living your best creative life, relatable stories of the highest highs and lowest lows, and maybe, just maybe, a rare peak in the envelope. If you feel like somebody's not on your side on set, it's really difficult. You, you don't feel safe. And therefore, you can't do your best work because you feel judged. Or So it's really important as actors to allow each other to, to feel safe and to know, to know that you're there for them, they're there for you. Then you can achieve anything. Welcome to In the Envelope, the Actors Podcast. I am your host, backstage senior editor Vinny Mancuso, and we have one hell of a double whammy for you today, my friends, because joining us is the wonderful duo of Ethan Hawke and Ewan McGregor. You know them, you love them. They've got just around 200 acting credits combined, uh, four Oscar nominations in there, and Emmy win, uh, and the credits alone are quite simply iconic. Training Day, Moulin Rouge, The Before Trilogy, Train Spotting, Boyhood, uh, a little thing called Star Wars. Uh, and yet, somehow, these two men have never actually worked together until the film they're here to discuss, that is, and that is Raymond and Ray, a wonderfully strange little black comedy where McGregor and Hawk play half brothers tasked with burying their late father. Uh, these are two fantastic performances, uh, just a really almost stage drama like little dramedy it's just a very strange movie but i cannot recommend it enough especially if you want a master class in performing a low-key contained character study uh, we dive right into it uh not only what it takes for actors just like you to pull off a two-hander like this film but uh, also why you should not ask any actor about how they find chemistry i learned that and now you get to listen to it here is ethan hawk and ewan mcgregor How's it going? Hey there. Hey, how are you, Vinny? Good, good. Thank you so much for being here. I know you. I know this isn't your only interview of the day, but thank you for allowing me to come here to talk to you guys. Well, we appreciate. We're so it. happy to have you. Yeah, we're we're happy to talk to you. 
Um, so yeah, so this is, we're backstage. This is a podcast by actors, for actors. And we always hope that our listeners, you know, come away with a, a lesson on some aspect of the process because your chemistry in Raymond and Ray is so wonderful. It's so raw, it's so real, so relatable. I do want to use this film, you know, to talk a little bit about what it is to be a good scene partner. You know, a little lesson in how you guys found your chemistry and how how you do that from film to film. So to start, one of the most surprising things about this movie is that you guys had not crossed on screen paths yet before this movie, but you did know each other for a long time. I think I've read that you knew each other since around Gattaca, uh, which exactly. is a long time ago. I am curious what the difference is, in your opinion, between knowing someone and acting alongside someone. Is there What's that leap that needs to be made between you know knowing someone personally and being a, a, a scene partner, an acting partner, doing a project with them? Well, first off, let me say, like, I know my own brother really well, and I don't think he'd have hurt feelings to hear me say that I wouldn't want him as a scene partner. <laughs> <laughs> Extremely fair. no interest in acting. And and so the the thing that people, you, you hear a lot of, um, oh, kind of almost mystic conversation about what creates chemistry and doesn't create chemistry. And in my experience, it's it's not a mystic thing. It's a it, it's about generosity um, and about when you can sense when someone wants you to play well, when they want to create space for you. You can sense when they don't want to create space for you. You can sense when they're lethargic about their own work and what that that has a it, it's contagious almost. You know, the striving for excellence is contagious and the opposite is true. And I feel like if you watch Ewan's body of work, I can't think of anyone he didn't have chemistry with. So this idea that we had some kind of magic chemistry, I I don't take any credit for Mm. um, because, you know, like a good musician, he is listening and responding to what you do. It matters to him how you play this scene. There's there's some people that, you know, you meet and you can tell they practice it in front of the mirror and they might call themselves director proof, but you know, they just have a way they're going to do it. And you and I, I think because we both like to work a lot, we both have worked a lot on stage. We both were, you know, you've done a bunch of musicals and I've had a good relationship to music my whole life too. And we enjoy the art and craft of acting. And that in general does make somebody a good scene partner, just a love of craft. Because if it's mutual, you have a meeting ground Right on day one. Yeah, I've, I have a problem with the idea of chemistry because I feel like it's a little disrespectful to the actors. It's a bit like, oh, this magic thing happened and they're both good in this film, you know, and we believe them to be the relationship they're supposed to be in the script. I, I feel like that comes out of good actors working together. It's not a mag- It's not magic. It's not a magic. I mean, I've loved some actors I've been in scenes with and the works, and I've also been in scenes with actors where we don't get on at all. And yet you wouldn't know in the movie because both, you know, good actors or whatever. I think you just have to, I don't know. I'm not very good at analyzing acting. I know that myself. I'm a bit scared to analyze it because I feel like if I, try and understand it. I might not be able to do it anymore. That's the, like, that is the, the danger do. of uh, doing this podcast. I, and I run into this all the time. I ask actors, right. I ask the most brilliant actors in the world what their process is and they, they don't know. And that's There's why they're no, so good. Know. That's why they're so good at it. I, I feel like it's sort of, it's, you know, it's, it's innate. It's something innate and something that's sort of like, you know, the whole 
dissecting dissecting a frog thing. It's like if but the I, more you I, dissect it. Yeah, I, I think, but also when I'm thinking about you know what scene partners playing a scene with somebody, there's got to be there's got to feel safe, and you got to you got to allow the other person to feel safe, and then anything's possible, and that's the same of the crew, and that's the same with the director. You know, if there's a you know you can have a guy standing or a girl standing. I had this occasionally with some. If you feel like somebody's not on your side on set, it's really difficult. You you don't feel safe. And therefore, you can't do your best work because you feel judged. Or So it's really important as actors to allow each other to to feel safe and to know to know that you're there for them, they're there for you. Then you can achieve anything. Really. You can do a bad job with each other. You know, you, mm-hmm. you, you're never going to surprise one another if you don't feel comfortable enough to fail in front of them. Mm-hmm. And I think we were lucky on this somehow through the 20 years of, spinning around each other i felt a natural easy respect from ewan and that does make you feel safe we both knew rodrigo separately we had a friendship with him separately and that creates a nice dynamic with the director and it is when things go right you're kind of nervous about breaking them down because you're not exactly sure why it went Mm. right and it, when they go wrong, it's sometimes easier. I often make this statement that I don't know that I learned a damn thing from Deadpool Society. <laughs> it was so yeah. easy and so fun and so rewarding. And, you know, Robin Williams was so interesting and creative. And, and Peter Weir was a master. And he was guiding us through rehearsals. And I, did, I, did, I learned more in the five years after it by watching things go badly on set. Mm-hmm. But I, I did have something to compare it to. Mm. You, you know, I think if I hadn't had the Dead Poets Society experience, I could say like, wow, this director is really not letting people fail. This yeah. director is really not listening when the actor says, I'm struggling here. Isn't that interesting? We both had amazing first experiences. Danny Boyle was my first yeah. director mm-hmm. and set mm-hmm. the bar so high in terms of what to expect or what what can be possible in the relationship between a director and the actor's. And the the, but the, the bar was set really high. And I thought that's what making a movie was like. Well, I was going to ask: Was there a stretch there where you were sort of, you know, learning by comparison? Because you mentioned that is that you both started in such a good spot. Was there a stretch there where where it was like you were seeing things, saying, "Well, this isn't how it it was then." Were you sort of learning new lessons just by comparing comparing it to how it can be versus what it was I, then? Absolutely, and I'll, I'll give you an example. Peter Weir really knew when a scene had peaked. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's it's a strange art form uh, of just knowing that like, OK, we're rehearsing. Now it's take one. Now it's take two. Now it's time to push it. Everybody is feeling safe and confident. I'm going to push the emotion here. And when it's peaked and to let it go. Some directors I worked with like, listen, we got this. Take four was amazing. And I'm actually now just trying to get back there. And you just want to end on the best take. And now we're doing 17 takes and we've lost it. And other directors, they're moving on. And I know one more take and we would have cracked it. You know, the the whip would have cracked and that we actually hadn't gotten it yet. And they weren't letting it grow. And that is like being a good coach or a gardener. You have to let things evolve. Peter Weir knew instinctually how to do that. And I spent probably really until Richard Linkletter before I met somebody else who understood mm-hmm. the evolution of scene, scene work, scene study, scene play, 
when to let things be fine, don't worry about them, and when to say no, we need we need this now. And now, now that you're you're both have experience directing as well, how would you say that 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 your experience as directors informed how you work together as as actors? I feel like it's it's all part and parcel of the same thing. I felt directing that it was an absolute extension of my the work. I it was just filmmaking. I mean, I felt mm-hmm. as an actor, I felt like a I hate not to feel like a member of the filmmaking team. That my least happy experiences on a film are where you feel that the director and the DP are making the film and you're sort of being used to help them do that. But I've always felt like as actors, we are filmmakers. And therefore I've learned to have a, an instinctive sense of camera and where the where the camera is and where it could be. And, and then and you, you do have it so completely. I, 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 feel, I feel the same exact way. In fact, it really bothers me. If you go to most film schools, they'll have a class on cinematography. Like they make the directors take a cinematography class and they have to be a cinematographer for this other director. And they very rarely teach acting. But if you look at the history of cinema, mm-hmm. you know, if you take anybody's list of their top 100 movies of all time, at least 20% of those movies are directed by actors. You know, Mm -hmm. when you're talking about Charlie Chaplin or Orson Welles or or Warren Beatty or Robert Redford or Spike Lee, or, you know, they're they're both interpretive arts. They are extensions of translating writing to the screen, you you know? And so for me, it's really natural. And I feel like directors should be taught acting more than, you know, there's only a handful of cinematographers that ever go on to make movies. Does that make sense? Yeah makes perfect sense it's and you know i think i I kind of think about the the using a muscle from something else to do something else and and this film so often it really kind of settles into feeling like it 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 just becomes like an absurdist play it's it it almost feels like you know it's it there are stretches of raymond and ray that feel like it could be easily performed on stage uh you're both no stranger to the stage and i'm curious how much of of that muscle were you flexing for this film and how often you find yourself because one of the most constant things of this podcast is how often people talk about, you know, pe- actors should do theater and how much theater helped them. I'm curious specifically for this film, how your how your stage experience helped and how often that helps on any project you do. It depends. It, I, I don't think it's, I. it depends. I, I feel like it's no different. I'm always having this conversation, but it's no different. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's technicalities about working on the stage, of course, that are slightly different from working for a camera, but, the, the essential job is the same, you know? You have to be inhabiting your character's emotional life in this given moment of, of, of in time and make it believable and, and serve the... I mean, maybe the... maybe the This discussion was... Maybe the, the most exciting thing about working on stage is that you have to make the play work and mm-hmm. you have to do it with each other for this particular audience in this particular afternoon or evening and you've got to make that serve the play as best you can with the lines you have and the character you're playing. And it's like, but you can't talk to each other about it while you're doing it. You just have to feel it. So there's it's an amazing magic about that. A nonverbal exchange yeah. is happening all the time. You feel it on stage sometimes like, all right, time to pick up our cues. Nobody says that. But you know the, the natives are getting restless. You feel, so it, speak. Yeah. You feel it in the audience. And I mm-hmm. do love the, the stage asks more of the actor in that we edit the movie, you know, when you're on stage, we decide how long the runtime is going to be mm-hmm. you know, by, and, and you learn the right runtime for a specific play. It's just, there's a certain math to it that this play works the best at this speed too long. And we lose them too fast. 
and it's it, we're tripping on ourselves. And I do I do love that. But also, I, the responsibility to the to the story is important on stage. The I think there's a beautiful moment in Raymond and Ray that I only noticed last night is that Ethan his moment when he approaches the coffin and he speaks angrily to his dead father in the coffin is mm-hmm. a moment like on stage where the audience are enjoying, they're laughing, and the play's not going to land if we don't rein them in. And in that one moment, Ethan changes the tone of the... It reined the audience in last night in, in, in the screening here at TIFF. And you felt like, oh, the rest of the play... Now the rest of the play's going to really land, you know? And that that's something that would happen on stage as well. It's like a... It's like a sense of, uh, and and we do that on set. I think when we're playing scenes in front of a camera, we do it instinctively. Mm-hmm. But of course, after after the event, somebody can alter it. That's the only difference, I guess. I, I'm curious about the, the sort of just the creative dynamic of a set like this because there there aren't a lot of um you know there's not a lot of locations. A lot of it is in in very you know, there's a ton of you know driving scenes where it's just you. There's a lot of it's, it's set at the graveyard where it's just these characters interacting. Um, how much of those sort of you know conversations of change this little thing change this little thing happen when you're all sort of contained in that one space not exactly like the stage but but in front of a camera in one location you know rodrigo would watch uh, oh a given scene set there at the graveyard for example and you start to realize all right this part is paced awkwardly what could be dynamic here all right let's maybe we're in the wrong place i almost i feel like it it's like this when you are doing a play, you rehearse it and you have to figure out, you have a breakthrough in a scene, then you have to figure out why you had a breakthrough so you can repeat it and, and you you build it. And my favorite film experiences almost feel like they filmed us rehearsing the play mm-hmm. and then they cut together the movie. You know, they're, they're watching us rehearse. I saw you and do take some some of his most difficult scenes i watched you do you know six seven takes all of which were different all of which had certain moments that were more dynamic than another you're figuring out exploring how to build it how to pace it out but then what's wonderful about a movie is then rodrigo can go back and go wow take three he had this really amazing moment that happened with this but that take seven it blew up interesting now if i cut to this, that, and the other. He builds the best of, the greatest mm. hits of the experience that we had on on filming. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so, in a way, the editing process, they figure out what on stage you do when you start in previews, you know, when you start having run-throughs and you start seeing it with an audience. You make the tough cuts, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I guess that, that, that kind of, you know, goes back to the idea of it's all about trust. You're not only trusting in your in your in your co-star, you're trusting in in the filmmaker himself to put together that best of. And I I, I always find it so fascinating that you kind of have to you're putting so much of yourself in the director's hand. And uh that's 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 always been something that's that my favorite Fran McDormand quote, which is that I, I don't need a good director. I, I know how to act. I need a good editor to make sure they put the best somebody who has the right taste to know what was the best take. Absolutely. And something else I've seen you you both mention about this movie is 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 you, in reading the, the script itself, you could tell that that playing it would be interesting. And I'm, I'm curious what that's what that's like reading a script where, where it's not only, oh, this is a good script. It's I think that in the play of this, the doing of this will be satisfying. What, what is that experience actually like? It's just you imagine you're seeing it in your imagination 
it's very it's it's your first experience of a story is the first time you read the script. So I'm always frustrated, like I need to find it somewhere I'm going to be able to read it from start to finish yeah, without yeah, being yeah. interrupted, which isn't easy always because the first time you see it. And I think a lot of your choices thereafter hark back to that first viewing of the movie and your own imagination. And I just think if you can, if you start, if it just starts singing while you read it, I don't know exactly In how you define it. Like people ask why you took this part or not that part. And it could probably be as simple as saying, it's not whether a script is good or bad. It's whether it kicks off my imagination. Mm-hmm. You know, it often takes me a really long time to read a script because I act the whole thing out in my head. I don't mean to. I just start see if, if I like it, I start seeing it and having ideas about, oh, this would be fun to do on this scene. And my brain starts playing with the material. And sometimes it just doesn't. And for another actor, it, it happens. And that, that makes that actor the right, right person for that role. Mm-hmm. I am getting the the on ramp sign uh, to wrap this up, but I do I do have one last question. This is a question we like to ask uh, any any actors we talk to. Um, if you go into the rolodex of films you've seen, plays you've seen, anything like that, uh, if you had to choose one thing, one performance that any aspiring or early career actor should watch, what would that one performance be? Well, what, what leaps to my mind right now, and I I think because I just know it's coming back to Broadway, is that. Mark Rylance in Jerusalem is really special performance. Mm-hmm. And um, people who haven't seen it should really, it's a little bit like walk, watching Jimi Hendrix play or something. It's, it's a marriage between a great writer, Jez Butterworth and a great actor, Mark Rylance that the part and the, the actor and the material just, just take off. But if you haven't seen Raging Bull, you've got to see Raging Bull. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. Anything. I think I'm stuck on a, I think I'm. This question is often met with about five minutes of silence. It's tough. I know it's, it's whatever pops in. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm just stuck on Lawrence of Arabia. I yeah. Don't know. yeah. Or, a... or um, if you go, go with David Lean, I asked Alec Guinness and Bridge on the River Kwai. Uh, mm. That's an incredible performance. Absolutely. Lawrence of Arabia, not a bad place to be stuck. Um, thank you both so much. Uh, this was a pleasure. This was fascinating. Uh, this is exactly what we want. Uh, thank right. you so much. It was an absolute pleasure. Take care. Thanks Take so care. much. Thanks, as always, to our brilliant producer, Jamie Muffet, and to the whole team at Backstage. Samantha Sherlock, Mark Stinson, Caitlin Watkins, and of course, Casey Howe. Visit Backstage.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to Backstage with code ENVELOPE at checkout for a free trial. 100% free. You simply cannot beat that. For more exclusive content, find us on Facebook and Twitter at In The Envelope. And subscribe, share, and leave a comment. Who should we interview next? Let us know. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time for another peek in the envelope.